it sounds like something out of a science fiction movie, but could mining the moon help cool down the Earth? A team of US scientists think that could be one solution to the climate crisis. They say firing tonnes of moon dust from a gun into space can help deflect the sun's rays away from us. Professor Ben Bromley, who led the study, is a theoretical astrophysicist at the University of Utah. Ben, uh, welcome. Tell us, how would all this work? Oh, thank you for having me. The overall idea is that uh, if we can dim the sun to some, to some small degree, a few percent, we might be able to temporarily uh, stave off some of the worst changes of, of uh, our climate here on Earth. The idea we had was to um, use dust to uh, basically intercept uh, starlight and sunlight and scatter it away uh, from the Earth. I understand you looked at other ways to deflect the sun's rays. So why did you settle on this idea of using moon dust? Uh, the, yeah, that's a great question. The um, uh, start of this project was... Uh, uh, the result of work that uh, one of um, the co-authors, Scott Kenyon, and I had been doing on planet formation. It's a messy process, and when planets are formed, a lot of dust gets kicked up and indeed intercepts a lot of starlight. So our original approach to this issue was to understand if some you know, generic form of astrophysical dust would be useful to dim the sun in a way that could be helpful as we work on climate change here at home. The uh, amount of dust we ended up having to consider was really large. It, it, se it seemed unfeasible to us. And so we explored different types of dust, different uh, composition, uh, size, and shape to see if we could reduce the mass. At, at the end of our calculations, we realized that we couldn't change uh, the um, amount of mass that we needed enough. So we had to focus on an alternative of getting dust there as easily as possible, even if we had to use more of it. And that's what led us to the moon. It's much easier to launch material from the moon in, in, in a physics sense, maybe not in an engineering sense, but uh, if, you, if you can uh, launch uh, dust from the moon, you can launch much more of it for uh, the same energy that, as you can from Earth. I noticed you used the word temporarily in that this wouldn't be a permanent fix because, I mean, once the dust is uh, obscuring the sun, I mean, there wouldn't be a way to remove it, would there? Well, this is part of the, the trajectory of, of our research. We learned very quickly that it's very, very difficult to keep the dust in place in a, in a position between the Earth and the sun that can really provide the shade that we need. The uh, physics of that is the sun's uh, radiation um, really blows dust away. There's stellar wind as well that literally blows dust away. Uh, so the dust can't persist for very long periods of time in front of the sun. And that's that's a real challenge because it means you need to re keep replenishing the dust that you've put in between us and the sun. So the temporary part is is easy. The Our favorite solution uh, for getting dust uh, to be a, a solar shield um, has a jet of dust coming from the lunar surface, and the dust there persists for only a few days. So if you actually turn off the the um, <laughs> the, the jet stream, the, the moon jet, if you will, the, the dust will actually go away. And part of, I should explain, uh, part of that is, is 
good news on another level. The dust isn't going to come flying back at the Earth and rain down upon us um, in a way that would shut down all our communication satellites or worse. The dust gets dispersed harmlessly for the Earth throughout the solar system. And in, in the vastness of the solar system, the amount of dust we're talking about is, is insignificant. So if this concept is designed to help us deal with climate change, on the other hand, the other big effort going on globally now is the transition to renewable energy sources. How would dust obscuring the sun's rays affect the power I'm generating off my roof uh, in the way of solar panels? (laughs) That's great, yes. The uh, amount of sunlight that we're obscuring um, if this concept became a reality, is just a small fraction. Uh, you, the solar panels on your roof would be much more impacted by the time of day, the weather that you have, you know, if there's any cloud cover whatsoever, even, you know, thin, wispy things, then the um, amount of sunlight that the dust would scatter away from us. We're really looking for a small uh, effect that can, that can, over time, help reduce the energy that's deposited in our atmosphere. In the time since you've published this research, no doubt there'd be naysayers and critics who argue that this is a, an intervention or a band-aid rather than addressing the principal causes of climate change and that, you know, perhaps we already have the tools on Earth to achieve that outcome. Or what do you say to those people? First off, it would be absolutely wonderful if uh, we were able to do the hard work here at home to mitigate the uh, climate change uh, situation that we're in now. It would be it would be perfect to never have to think of these uh, wild alternatives uh, such as ours. Um, what we've done is uh, in no way designed to to you know detract people from focusing on on what we need to do here. Um, our goal, consider at least a possibility, something that could buy us some time should our efforts need more here on Earth. If you just tuned in, Professor Ben Bromley is here talking about his idea to essentially fire moon dust into space to help obscure the sun's rays and help solve the climate crisis down here on Earth. I understand that this concept actually has its roots in older uh, ideas. Is there any appetite for a a geoengineering project like this? I mean, the costs would be, well, astronomical. Yes, indeed. The uh, idea uh, of dimming the sun has has been around quite a while, and people have uh, put out some really, uh, really clever things. You know, our contribution is is focused on uh, some you know practical uh, idea, something that could be implemented with uh, technology. Should we be able to uh, uh, get a human seat on the moon? Now, um, if you look back though at some of the earlier work, there have been really, really kind of cool things that, that people proposed. Um, I've got two favorites. Um, one is uh, a work in the, uh, 2006 by uh, Roger Angel, who proposed launching a huge fleet of millions of, of umbrella-like satellites to kind of hang around and, and serve as a very, very uh, navigable high-tech uh, solar shield. The other idea that I really like, and I, I just heard about it as we were getting ready to submit our paper, is from MIT's 
Mary's uh, Sensible City Lab, uh, which involves uh, putting space bubbles out there. And, and as we were working on our paper, you know, just thinking of space bubbles, like the physics of that makes so much sense. Um, you know, I, I don't know where that stands, but these are some of the ideas that people have had. And I realize these are long shots, moon shots, uh, ours literally. Uh, but I think it's good to, to keep thinking of uh, possibilities uh, should we need to resort to them in the future. And in your modeling and research, did you uh, discuss the idea of, well, a lack of sovereignty in space? Is there any framework for managing the moon's resources internationally? Would there be uh, geopolitics to take into account? You know, uh, that that is uh, well well beyond my, my astrophysics um, uh, experience and expertise. And I would uh, only say that the amount of resources and the effort required to do what we are proposing, in fact, any of these geoengineering uh, uh, proposals where you're, you're, you're putting a lot of mass in space, would require uh, collaboration. It would require um, all of us to get together to decide this is what we want to do. So my hope would be if we're in the situation where uh, such a strategy actually would benefit the Earth, that we could come to an agreement. The uh, as far as the moon and, and cutting out territory there, I again uh, beyond my my experience or, or expertise, um, but the type of facility that we would envision setting up is really small scale compared to the surface of the moon. We're thinking of a more or less a, a shallow open pit mine could gather enough moon dust uh, to launch out and dim the sun as we propose. So hopefully people could agree at least at that level uh, to uh, take such a step if it was necessary in an international collaborative way. So best case scenario, if there was this collaboration internationally and uh, the, the finances to back it, I mean, practically speaking, how long and how much do you think it would be? That's a great question. The presence of humans on the moon is is um, just a growing endeavor and, and, and moving really quickly. So, you know, we could be years, possibly decades for something like this uh, away from um, uh, realizing a concept such as ours. The technology exists for all components. Uh, getting the material to the moon requires just uh, commitment from humans. Um, so it's really nice to see that um, people are beginning to talk about uh, human presence on the moon with NASA's Artemis missions, and maybe we'll begin to think more creatively and uh make it easier to do something like uh, what we're proposing if that ne becomes necessary. It's a fascinating idea and, uh, you know, perhaps today's thought experiments uh, end up being tomorrow's Hail Marys. Hopefully uh, this idea won't be needed, but perhaps the idea being on the shelf is certainly handy. Theoretical astrophysicist Ben Bromley, appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you so much for having me here. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.